This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got plenty of college football coming up in just a little bit. Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune covers the Gophers. He'll help us get ready for the Gophers-Ohio State game on Thursday, as will Jenny Taft, who works for Fox Sports, Edina native. Um, will be doing the sideline reporting from the game Thursday and also is the moderator on Undisputed. Had a really good conversation with Jenny Taft, and uh, looking forward to sharing that with you as well. Plenty of other good stuff coming up here. But first, what did I miss? Vikings cutdowns. Not a lot of real surprises once you kind of get beyond um, some of the window dressing, I guess. Um, reading Ben Gessling and Andrew Kramer's story uh, in uh, Wednesday's StarTribune.com kind of reveals that you saw, well, Everson Griffin got cut. That's a surprise. Yeah, but that's probably a procedural move. Sounds like he'll be back. It's just kind of one of these things they had to get to 53 players on uh, on the active roster by by a certain point Tuesday so you know had to do that but uh, expect some other stuff to go on imagine there might be some looking around at other teams players that got cut they already you know did one thing um, they already did one thing the other day they, they got a new uh, got themselves a new tight end which was interesting kind of makes you wonder what the status is going to be of Irv, of Irv Smith Jr. is it just you know, is it going to be a short-term fix just to add depth? But Chris Herndon, um, who's played a decent amount with the Jets, traded for by the Vikings, uh, sixth-round pick from the Jets. So we'll see how that works out. But yeah, really, most of the other, most of the other cuts seemed like they were about right. The one that maybe people weren't expecting as much, Jake Browning cut. They wondered if the Vikings were going to keep three quarterbacks. You wondered... You know, after that preseason, did they see enough from Kellen Mond to make him their backup quarterback? And it seems like they have. A lot of people yesterday, too, were saying, well, Cam Newton just got cut by the Patriots. Could the Vikings go get him? Well, no. Like, the problem with the Vikings is they have a very clearly established starter. Kirk Cousins, for all of his faults, for all the things he does well, of course, is the starter. He is making a lot of money. He has been the quarterback for the last three years. This is his team for now. So you can't go add someone like Cam Newton. Cam Newton doesn't want to come here. There's no opportunity to play unless there's some kind of catastrophic injury, something like that, which we don't want to happen to anybody. So, you know, Kellen Mond, for the time being, is the backup quarterback, and I expect that to be the case going forward because if Kirk Cousins did got did get hurt, you probably would want to see what you have, at least to a certain degree, in Kellen Mond before you would go kind of scouring the earth for some kind of serviceable backup in a season that probably wouldn't go that far anyway. Now, you could say the the comeback to that is 2017 when they had backup and they had Case Keenum, you know, kind of as their number three guy after Teddy got hurt and after Sam Bradford uh, went down, and that worked out pretty well for them. But, uh, you know, most years that someone's not going to come in and, and save the day as a, you know, as a veteran backup. So maybe they try to upgrade at number three, but I think Kellen Mond is the number two right now. I don't see that changing. But uh, I'll keep my eye out for what possible roster moves they might have coming after cutdown day on Tuesday. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Really happy to have Jenny Taft from Fox Sports on the show today. Does a lot of different things there, um, Jenny. I was just kind of looking over everything that you do. You're busy. 
um, and you're in Minnesota this week uh, for Go- Gophers Ohio State Thursday, but you're also from here. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This is uh, it's extra special when you get to come home for work and you know, I love Minneapolis. I love, you know, I'm sitting in my parents' home in Edina and they haven't moved for gosh, 30 years at this point. And it's really fun to be back and see people. I, I have 10 tickets that I have for my friends, mostly go for alums for Thursday night. So that's really special and busy, but very grateful for all the opportunities at Fox. So it's fun. I love college football season. Yeah. And it's, is, let's talk about that first, just because it's so front brain it's it's thursday night it's a it's a big game i mean every every bit every game is big but like for the gophers like this is an opportunity ohio state first game of the year this is not usually how you start a season um what are you looking forward to from from this matchup between minnesota and ohio state there's so many highlights and i think the biggest thing just overall as a college football community, just this sigh of relief that we're heading into the season with so much more optimism and excitement. And, you know, the pandemic has been challenging for so many people and not to downplay any of that, but just for the challenges that the athletes dealt with last year and not knowing if they were going to be playing the COVID testing daily, the cancellations. And, you know, there were moments where we were on site and games were canceled and look, that's no big deal for me. I can get on a plane and go home. It's a bummer because you want to see the game, but for these athletes, it was mentally such a roller coaster. And I think the Gophers are kind of the perfect example of that finishing three and four, two overtime losses. I don't think that accurately depicts who the Gophers are and who they were last year. I think it was a really challenging year. And while Ohio state obviously made it to the national championship game, they had a lot of COVID issues too and cancellations and Chris Olave didn't even play in the big 10 championship game, which I was reminded of talking to him earlier this week. So just for everyone to have this sense of feeling more confident. And I know this, our pandemic, unfortunately is still happening. We don't, we don't know, but right now teams and coaches are feeling so much more optimistic and excited for the year to have fans in the stands for a sideline reporter to be solo. I use this example Jenny Taft at the big house alone is the most depressing visual (laughs) and it's eerie. It's eerie. And the momentum shifts for college football. A lot of the guys I was talking to players all week. And I said, you know, what's your excitement level zero to 10. And it was like a hundred, like just the fact that they're not dealing with the same uncertainties and having fans. So Minnesota night game, the Buckeyes come to town. It really doesn't get any better than this. And so for our Fox crew, we're thrilled. We have our pregame guys are here. The big noon kickoff crews in town. And then we head to Wisconsin for Penn state, Wisconsin Saturday. So just double header week one. I could not be more excited about being home for this one. And that's awesome. I felt like, you know, and I've expressed this to a few different people who have come on this show. I, I felt like college sports and college football in particular college basketball suffered more atmosphere wise than even like NFL games. I don't know if you felt that or, or how much, you know, you experienced that, but you know, even just experiencing college football, it, it does sound like a lot, you know, you can't even summarize exactly what was missing, did, but did you feel like college games in particular suffered from, you know, the, which was a rational 
need to keep fans away, but just the fact that there were no fans in attendance. 100%. And of course, yes, we understood why we weren't having fans in the stands. But I, I also found it challenging for the college kids because it was different everywhere you would go, right? Like the SEC, you're still watching games and there's a lot more people in the stands. Whereas, like I mentioned, I'm alone at the big house and it's really eerie and you can hear selfishly, it's nice to hear coaches and play calls. There were moments where I was grateful for that, but I'm still in the stands far away. Masks are on. I really pride myself on trying to understand what coaches are saying to each other, what players are saying. And when masks are on, I mean, that's hard. It's really challenging to to take that in, um, especially with the distance. But my biggest thing for college is just what we love about college athletics. And it's in everything. It's the band. It's the fans. It's the camaraderie. It's the cheerleaders. It's the mascot. And the NFL, I did feel different. I covered about three NFL sideline games last year. Lonely, weird to be. I was at SoFi, brand new stadium. Again, just solo, hanging out. It was very odd, but maybe there's there's just more of a business approach to the NFL in so many ways. And you missed it with college and you missed it with the guys that, you know, you only have a couple of years in college and you don't want it to be wasted in any way. So those challenges were real. And that's why this just feels really exciting in a lot of ways to have the fans. I mean, I'm going to have chills Thursday, no doubt. I mentioned all the things you do for Fox Sports. One of those things is undisputed. I want to get to that in a little bit. But first, let's let's talk a little bit about your rise. Like you are from Edina. You is rereading your bio. You, you went to school out in Boston and you came back here um, working with Fox Sports North in the, the project they were calling Fox Sports North Girls back then. Mm-hmm. How do you get from there to where you are right now, which is, you know, really at the, at the getting to be at the peak of this industry. Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind. I am so grateful for, well, I loved going to school out East and at the time, Boston, U, I did major in broadcast journalism. So growing up in Edina, you know, sports were my life. And I knew that that professional Jenny as an athlete wasn't going to happen. Um, but I loved sports and I think I would have wanted it to be I always wanted to be in front of the camera because I liked the adrenaline rush of it. And I just love being around the game, but I could have easily seen myself doing something behind the scenes just because I love being around sports. And I went to BU, loved it, and was so fortunate that I came home in the summers and interned at both Fox Sports North and the local Fox 9 here. So I had some incredible mentors. Don Mitchell's one of them at Fox nine, obviously Marnie Gellner. I still chat with them. These are women that I loved and looked up to and were really helpful in my career and kind of just so welcoming in the way they allowed me to shadow them. I mean, I remember Marnie, I always tell this story because I've kind of, you know, I have women who reach out to me now who are interested in this world. And I really try to just do what Marnie did, but she'd always say like, if you bring me a, a white chocolate mocha, coffee latte from caribou like you can shadow me like that's fine just bring me a coffee (laughs) and we'll hang out and i just remember hanging with her at twins games and with timberwolves games and i did a lot of wild because i have the hockey background and played my whole life and they were so gracious and welcoming and supportive at north so the fox sports north girl opportunity was at the time you know no one really knew what the what it was going to be And I felt like it was a perfect way to kind of 
get some reps, be seen in a big market in Minneapolis and really just use my sports knowledge and stand out in that way. And because Fox Sports North knew me as an intern, they knew I was passionate. They knew ultimately I wanted to be on air. So they were supportive of me from the very beginning. Like when the wild needed a in arena host to fill in Fox sports North suggested me and said, Hey, Jenny would be great for this. And it's those opportunities that made such a difference. I still think in arena hosting. And I do tell that to, to, to college kids look for those jobs because yeah, it's not live TV, but you're live to a stadium and you better not screw that up. And you just get these reps and experience that I'm so grateful for. And that was all Fox sports North believing in me and, they knew that they probably didn't have a job for me at the time. And they were supportive when I left to go to Fox sports one, the network was launching, it was evolving. So I was hired as a news reporter, which is a role they don't even have anymore to becoming the motocross reporter and learning everything you need to know about motorcycles, which then opened up so many other doors because all the my colleagues at Fox thought, well, if she can cover motorcycle racing, she can probably cover football. If that's a sport she likes and knows. So it was just, I'm so grateful. And I still keep in touch with everyone at Fox sports North. Now I'm feeling bad though, that I don't even know if I have time to swing by. I'm going to have to, I have to swing by. I'm going to be downtown and bring a mocha. Come on. (laughs) I know I'm Marnie. Marnie will know I'm here and she'll bring it up. If I don't acknowledge it, these trips are too short, right? If you want to see family and friends and quickly see everyone at North, but I, I just am so lucky that they were so supportive because I think without that support from Fox sports North, I wouldn't be here. And I still to this day think maybe one day I'll end up in Minnesota. Again, my husband is a retired hockey player. He's been coaching youth hockey in LA. He loves Minnesota. So you never know. We could end up here one day. I love what you said about getting reps and kind of just taking whatever assignment they, they threw at you. Cause those are two things that I tell, I teach an adjunct journalism class at the university of Minnesota. Okay. That's one of the things I tell my sports journalism class, like you just got to do it. This is a doing business, do a thousand bad things so you can do good things later. Do you feel like that has helped you? And are, are there situations now where you just walk into it and you're like, I got this, I know exactly what I'm doing. And conversely, are there things that you still are like, wow, this is a big moment. I, I got to be on my, I got to sharpen up and things like that. I think it's a great, it's great advice, first of all, to give to your students. And I say that to everyone because the motocross example is really one of my favorites because I was trying to stand out at FS1. They'd hired a lot of new talent and I was still very new there and working hard. And I think if you work hard and treat people well along the way, that also goes a long way. Um, But I was walking in, it was truly, this is my audition. I was in the hallway with one of the- (laughs) talent execs. And he said, Jenny, what do you know about motorcycles? And I was like, I said, Oh, Ricky Carmichael, he's the goat, right? Like that's all I knew. That was it. My brother had kind of grown up enjoying that world, had known about Ricky. I think he had a poster in his room at some point. Like there was, that was the extent of the connection. And that was by far the most scared I've ever been before broadcast was my first supercross event. And I studied and studied and studied what whoops are and had this like motocross Bible that I was, you know, obsessed with. And it was learning a new language, but I put a lot of effort into it. And I I think it was about the fifth race 
where the fans started to see, oh, she's really, she's a good interviewer. She's asking the right questions because they hadn't had like that reporter in the pits. It was, you know, they were doing it differently at Fox. So they were trying new things, but I put a lot into it and I got to know the riders and still keep in touch with them today. Ryan Dungy, Minnesota guy that helped me. It helped to have some Minnesota love and it was all about storytelling. So that's what you love about being a reporter and Supercross had this incredible access where I could go up to Ryan Dudgy's parents and talk to them all day and have these great stories where football, I may get, you know, Tanner Morgan tomorrow. I think I am going to get him tomorrow, but you might, it's like, you just don't always get as much access as you wish. So long story short, take the job study. I've covered the dog show and I know way too much about 206 Westminster Kennel Club dog show breeds <laughs> that I need to know, but it's kind of fun. I'm walking yeah. on the street and they're like, I wonder what that is. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a petit basse griffon vendéen. You know, it's like, <laughs> why do I know that? Well, it's the dog show. And I've covered soccer. I've covered football, obviously undisputed. We're talking about everything. I know way too much about the Cowboys, um, but you just learn it. And I, I think in this world with social media, there's far, well, there's not a lot of room for error ever but you really do get exposed and I'm big on pronunciations. I mean, soccer is a great example of that. I, I know names and I practice them and I, you just, you don't want to leave any room for being questioned. So I think the learning continues. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say I'm a football expert. I know a lot about football. I love it, but I sit with Joel Platt and he'll break down plays with me because I can still learn. And like, you know, I love hockey, right? I still really haven't covered hockey since I worked here. So it's still in my back pocket where I'm kind of hoping one day that'll come full circle, but you just learn it and you just work hard and it kind of pays off to, to do that studying. And it's refreshing when it, you can still learn something new at I'm 33. I'm, you know, I'm still learning, studying. I'm more than 10 years older than that. I am still learning. So I'm glad you are too. (laughs) Last thing for you. I want to respect your time. I know you got a lot of people to see here, but I really appreciate this time and this catch up and this conversation. You mentioned undisputed a minute ago. You mentioned the Cowboys a minute ago. You went viral (laughs) a couple of weeks ago with, with Skip Bayless talking about Mike McCarthy. What, how did that come about? It was just interesting to me. I'm sure you work with someone long enough. You, 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 take a stand in certain cases, but talk me through that moment. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm like, I, I had a lot of questions after that from friends and family and, you know, did you expect that to happen? No, I didn't go into the work day and think that that was going to get a rise out of skip the way it did. Um, the thing about that incident, I will always give skip and Shannon such credit because they're so prepared for that show. And when I say prepared, they don't miss a thing. Every every game, every ounce of research. I mean, I study, but they do not miss a beat. So it's, I think what made Skip upset, it caught him off guard that I was going to have that opinion, but I wouldn't change it one bit. You know, I think the role as a moderator is a unique one, mostly because I know a lot and it's especially hard when I'm covering college football and we're leading with Spencer Rattler on Monday, Oklahoma quarterback, Skip obviously is an Oklahoma guy. And I'm the one who's been talking to him all weekend. So those are moments where I find it's challenging not to want to say more. And I do pick and choose those moments. So I don't exactly know why he reacted the way he did. We didn't really talk about it. 
I wouldn't change how I said something and I would do it again in the same way. And I'm not afraid to share that. It was just for whatever reason, I think there's such a sensitivity with his Cowboys that he takes personally, but you know, I didn't like what he said and I didn't agree with it. And much like I don't agree with Shannon's takes on Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a debate show. I didn't do anything wrong. It was the reaction that was so surprising, but you know, it's, I'm a professional and I'm also not afraid to have an opinion. You went viral for a good reason. So at least there's that, right? You, you, people, that. people tended to love it. And I loved it. Um, defending Mike McCarthy. I mean, Skip was, was fat shaming him and that's not, that's not okay. So I'm, I'm glad it's you not did okay it. in my book. And that is, you know, I would, I would say it again. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoy the game Thursday. Just, you know, you did your job credibly last season, but I'm sure it was weird. I'm sure it wasn't the, I'm sure it wasn't as much fun as you would hope it would be. You know, it wasn't that it wasn't fun because I think the joy of the game is still there, but the, the fun is in the fans and the storming of the field and getting up close to a coach, which maybe won't happen Thursday. And, you know, having that moment, I, that's why I love being a sideline reporter. I'm probably still going to be distanced a bit when I chat with either coach, but it's just the emotion. And I cannot wait to see these players just have the ability to play with a carefree attitude that they just didn't have last year. There was just a lot of fear. And I, I think coaches did the best they could, but at some point it was just a really scary time. So what a matchup and Fox is going to be all over it. I just, I can't believe I'm home. I wish I could stay longer at this point and chat with you all day, but thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Enjoy your time in Minnesota. Congrats on all the success. And let's do this again at some point down the road. All right. All right. I would love to. Thank you. Really enjoyed that conversation with Jenny Taft. Good to catch up with her. I've talked to her for a couple different things over the years. So just to, you know, what a, what a great career arc she is on and you know the the message that she gave is again one that I would reinforce for anybody who's you know trying to break into any industry really like don't let yourself get taken advantage of but if you get an opportunity do the work do it as do it to your fullest capability prove that you can do it get your reps in however you can and at that point you should be getting better and better and getting more and more opportunities if you are living up to your potential so that's that's my uh, that's my twenty second elevator pitch on how to uh, how to break into this industry and really any industry. I have Randy Johnson on daily delivery today. Randy covers Gopher football for the Star Tribune. Randy, as of uh, the time this podcast goes live, we're talking about about thirty six hours until kickoff. Gophers versus Buckeyes. Um, a little different opener than we're used to, as you and I have talked about. Ohio State, not your. Uh, typical directional or state school but it's a it's a lot of fun to think about you know a lot of spotlight on this and you know the opportunity that comes with you know a daunting task like this yeah it's it's pretty interesting it's you know they they haven't opened they opened last year against Michigan because of COVID and everything but they you know normally don't open uh Big Ten uh, play against a, a conference or the season against a conference opponent um so they gotta be they're gonna have to be ready right away that's um you know, that's, that's one thing that, uh, they haven't always been the quickest starting team, even back in their, uh, 11 and two season in 2019, they, they were in a meat grinder against South Dakota state to start the season, but, uh, they'll, they'll have to be on, on their, on their best game. And I think this is going to be quite a bit better team than they were last year when they went three and four. 
Yeah. And we've talked about, you know, you and I have talked about this, Chip Scoggins and I have talked about this and, and I think Chip even wrote about this again the other day, just if you're talking about what this team's identity could be this season and what we could start to see even Thursday is the experience and depth they have on the offensive line and potentially the defensive line. If you can control both lines of scrimmage or at least have a good chance on both lines of scrimmage, you've got a pretty good starting point. They feel pretty good about both of those areas going into the year, right? Yeah, definitely. They'll, they, on offense, you have both Daniel Fla, Lele, and Curtis Dunlop Jr. back for the whole season. Um, then then you mix them in with uh, all the other starters back there. you got a, a guy as good as uh, Blaze Andrews, who's basically moving up and down the line, playing pretty much everywhere but center. Uh, so they'll be rotating. So that's going to be interesting to see how that works. You should have a, at least one fresh guy each, each new series. And then defensive line, too. Talk about the two transfers they have, and especially uh, Pinckney. He's the, he's the Clemson transfer, right? Yeah, Niles Pinckney uh, from Clemson. Uh, he, he's the uh, – of the two, he's the one I expect to have a, a bigger impact. The other one is Val Martin from North Carolina State. But uh, Pinckney is uh, – yeah, you know, he's got that pedigree of, of, of a player who's – uh, won a national championship and, and played on another team that played for the national championship. So they're, um, they should, he should be a big help as should um, um, Martin in there for depth. How do we feel about injuries and depth going into the season at some of the skill positions? What's the update? What's the latest on, you know, Ottman Bell and, and anybody else who's kind of been nicked up during spring and, and, you know, summer here training. Uh, basically, uh, Ottman Bell is still listed as day-to-day. Uh, our last uh, media access with uh, Coach P.J. Fleck was on Friday, and he's, he was encouraged with the progress that Ottman Mills made, has made in, uh, from that lower leg injury. Um, although he did say that you know his health is going to be the uh, primary concern. So we'll, we'll see how much we see him if we do see him. Uh, it's you know, it looked like a pretty tough injury at the time, um, possibly a high ankle sprain, and those tend to take a few weeks. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see uh, Thursday what what happens. Um, otherwise, they seem to be pretty healthy. Um, you know, a little mix here and there, but um, you know, they, they came out of training camp, I think, in pretty good shape. Regardless of whether um, Ottman Bell plays, I imagine we'll see. A heavy, a heavy dose of Mo Ibrahim in, against Ohio State, especially if they can kind of, you know, be if it's a close game and they can kind of try to do ball control, get the offensive line rolling, and try to wear Ohio State down. Does that sound kind of like the the formula they're going to want to use, and not only in this game but kind of the season going forward? And that could kind of be their identity for as good as Tanner Morgan, you know, is especially played two years ago. That this could be more of a ball control, time of possession kind of team. Yeah, I think so. And that, that's, they've won big games that way over the years. Uh, go back to the Axe game in 2018 in Wisconsin. They had uh, about 35 uh, minutes of possession. Um, you go to the, um, uh, that bowl game there, they had about 37 against uh, Georgia Tech in that win. Um, same thing against Auburn. They, they hogged the ball quite a bit against Auburn in that bowl win. You know, that's, that's a way to keep the ball away from the, uh, the, uh, the opponent's offense. And, you certainly want to do that against Ohio State with those uh, great wide receivers they have. Uh, that would only help your defense out. It's just, you know you want you want to be able to get the opponent playing left-handed. Problem is that Ohio State has enough athletes where they they can be ambidextrous. Well, yeah, exactly. Ohio State obviously presents its own challenges. You know, 
breaking in a new quarterback, obviously, because last year's quarterback plays for the Bears now, stuck behind Andy Dalton, unfortunately, for Justin Fields. For now, um, imagine we'll see uh, Justin Fields by the time they play the Vikings much later this season. Um, but yeah, Ohio State presents its own challenges. How, how do you think the, the Gophers are preparing for that? Are they locked in on the opponent or, you know, I, I had Joe Rossi on a couple of weeks ago. He said, the openers are so weird. You've got no, you've got no real kind of tape to go on. Everybody got new wrinkles. The energy is different. Um, do you kind of focus on yourself more in that first game, even if the opponent is Ohio state? I think they have to start that way that, you know, deploy the game. They need to not get too tied up in what Ohio state's doing until you have to adjust. And you do have to adjust. Uh, you know, if you shut down one thing from them, they'll, they'll have something else attack you with so it, it's they're going to definitely have to be on their toes it's you know it's just a you know it's an amazing challenge this is this is one of the you know talking about teams that can win a national championship usually there's only about five or six in the country right about now and they're one of them yeah and that uh, that brings me to my final point you know kind of the opportunity here but also the big picture for the gophers as you've kind of evaluated this team through you know this the camp in the summer and then getting into the fall now What's the, you know, let's say, I don't, I'm not going to say everything breaks right, but like, let's say the things they think they're going to be good at largely hold together. What do you think the ceiling is for, for this year's team? How good could this year's team be? Oh, I, I would say that if everything went perfectly and, and, you know, I could see them matching that 10 and two regular season, but uh, of 2019, but that that's saying that's about everything just going perfectly to form. Um, I think the schedule sets up well enough uh, where regardless of what happens uh, on Thursday night against Ohio state, where they could get to an eight and four or nine and three, um, you know, your non-conference games are Miami, Ohio at Colorado Bowling Green. Um, they'll, they should be favored in all those. I would say the, the opening stretch of the big town uh, is against teams that they're you're either equal to or better uh, on paper, at least. The closing stretch, the last three games are going to be, going to be pretty tough. You have um, trips to uh, Iowa, Indiana, and then the home finale against Wisconsin. Um, you, need, you need to win at least one of those and, and possibly two to, to get yourself to a nine and three, maybe. That's, uh, so, you know, my thoughts, I kind of have them projected at eight and four, but they could surprise with a nine and three. Will, will the Axe game be for the Big Ten West? I think that depends on if they beat Iowa. If they can find some some way to beat Iowa, um, that would, in my projection, that would put them right there with Wisconsin where you win that Axe game, you have a pretty good shot to go to Indy for the Big Ten title game. Last thing, um, our senior columnist, our now senior columnist, Patrick Royce, on Monday's podcast, um, at the very end of the show said Gophers 26, Ohio state 24. Do you want to make a similarly bold prediction or will you be doing that in your game preview? Oh, my um, game preview. I'll, I'll, I'll be making a prediction. Um, I'm, I don't think I'll be quite that bold. Hey, if I'm wrong, all the better, but uh, I've got uh, Ohio state 30 Gophers 23. If, I, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll be glad to be wrong. That's a good game too. Well, we'll see what happens. Excited for the season excited you know to you know sounds like the bank is going to be full pretty much or at least they've got a they're they're talking about that right yep yeah they've actually uh they put uh they got some tickets back from ohio state and they've been on twitter they've been 
uh, advertising that uh, $85 tickets. Uh, you know, there, there's there's some seats to be had. I'm not sure how many as of today are left, but um, it, if I think it's if it's not a sellout, it's gonna be really close. But I, I would I would guess they'll be calling it a sellout. Sounds good. Randy Johnson covers the Gophers for the Star Tribune. He'll be joining me pretty much every week during the year, hopefully on Tuesdays, to kind of talk through the game that happened, look forward to what has what is coming up, and uh, yeah, we'll see what the season has in store. Randy, uh, enjoy the game, and we'll catch up with you soon, all right? Sounds good, Mike. Thanks a lot. Good stuff from Randy Johnson. I'm excited for Thursday. I've expressed this a couple different times. I'm excited to see this game, excited to see this Gophers team, um, excited to kind of feel what that atmosphere is like at Huntington Bank Stadium. So we'll be curious to see how that all goes for the Gophers. They're two touchdown underdogs, by the way, you guys, uh, the betting line. So uh, don't get uh, don't get too optimistic, but uh, could just be setting themselves up for uh, for something special if the night breaks right. Let's finish with the cooler Twins game. They lost three to one on Tuesday. Teams combined for 16 hits, Twins and Cubs. There were four walks, a 3-1 to regulation nine-inning game. It took three hours and 34 minutes. You guys, this is just, we've talked about this problem in baseball for the whole length of this show. We've talked about, the, I've written about this before. You can't do this. This is too much. I think, you know, John Gant, who had a reputation when he came to the Twins of being a pretty slow worker, he was on the mound. And, uh, yeah, he's not a fast worker at all, even though he didn't, you know, he didn't give up a ton of runs, didn't give up a ton of hits, didn't matter. He works pretty slow. That all adds up. If it's a great game, you don't mind it. If it's a regular season game between two teams going nowhere, like the Twins and Cubs, three hours and 34 minutes is just not getting it done. But you know what? I'm going to watch again tonight because Joe Ryan expected to make his major league debut against the Cubs in the finale Got to see that. I'm curious about Joe Ryan more than I'm mad about how long these games are. That'll do it for today. Should have some fun stuff on Thursday. Probably talking some Ben Simmons, talking a little bit of uh, of Kirk Cousins and expected points added, and debuting a new segment called My Least Favorite Team Is My Favorite Team with my good friend Keith. And uh, that, will be, uh, that will be a recurring bit during the season. So look forward to that as well. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back at it on Thursday.